They tell you that once you get a car, everything will be different. And it's true, but does it have to be this way? That's what we will be exploring on this podcast. Hello and welcome to Urban Today, because the tomorrow of our cities can be created today. My name is Arella, and I'm a high school student who is very interested in urban planning, or as I like to say, a certified city girl. I've been a city girl my whole life, in fact, having the privilege of living in four major U.S. cities, some walkable and some very much not. As I learned more and more about urban planning, so many questions I had about different parts of my life were answered. Now I know that I want to help create the walkable cities of the future and make space for youth like me to discover and discuss all things urban. I'd like to tell you a story. At a certain point in my life, I lived in a city that was far less walkable than I'd ever experienced growing up in other big cities. For me, not being able to leave the house and do pretty much anything due to my lack of a car was incredibly isolating and depressing. I wasn't able to get to know the city and it felt pointless to me that I needed a special machine to leave the house and explore my environment. It's such an odd notion, really, when you think about it. Now, cut to Thanksgiving dinner. (laughs) I'm sitting with some family members who have lived in this particular city their whole lives, and in the spirit of Thanksgiving discourse, I decide to voice my frustrations. I tell them that I don't think the city we live in is worth living in. And of course, you can imagine their reaction. They were not happy about this. And, of course, I was hit with the classic, once you get a car, everything will be different. I kept the conversation lighthearted and tried not to prolong it after that comment, but it has stuck with me ever since. It's a comment I'm sure most Americans under 16 have heard. And this motivated me to create something for people around that age to learn that it doesn't have to be this way, and that we have the power to change our cities for the better. In today's episode, I'll be catching you all up to speed about urban planning. A crash course, if you will. I'll be answering questions like, what is it? What do these terms walkable and mixed use even mean? Isn't it too late to change our cities? And so much more. I promise it's way more interesting than you think. To put you in the right frame of mind, I'm going to ask you a few questions. Ready? I want you to go through your daily routine in your head. How many strangers do you interact with in a day? How many blocks do you walk in a day? Do you walk in a day? Or do you use a car to get everywhere? If you use a car, how much time do you spend in it? According to the AAA American Driving Survey, the average American spends 60 minutes in a car each day. That's about 7 hours a week and about 22,000 hours per year. In short, the purpose of planning a walkable city is to reduce the time we spend driving for a commute and increase the time we spend enjoying our surroundings and the people around us. So, what is a walkable city? Well, as I said, it's a city that minimizes the time we spend driving and maximizes the time we spend walking and interacting with our surroundings. It's far better for the health of humans to walk every day, as I'm sure you know, and living in an interesting, dynamic environment makes for happier citizens too. Additionally, since walking and the use of public transportation over cars produce far less carbon emissions, walkable cities are also way better for the environment. Of course, there are ways we can plan our built environment to encourage people to walk more. Where do you want to walk? 
what does the quote-unquote pedestrian's paradise look like to you? Does it look like a four-lane road with a four-foot-wide sidewalk on the side of it? Or even a road with no sidewalk? Nobody wants to walk on that. Now, a narrower street and a wider sidewalk with some interesting stuff around, that's where I want to be walking. A few key terms I think about when I think of a walkable city are dynamic, connected, safe, and accessible. Let's get into each of them. Dynamic. How can we make our built environment more dynamic? To me, the word dynamic comes to mind when I think of a lot of people doing different things in the same environment. When you walk down a street, the bottom of a building might be a store and the top floor might be an apartment. This idea of mixed-use buildings will come up a lot in the future and has so many benefits. In a park, one person might be walking their dog and another might be reading a book. These people are doing different things while sharing the same space. Or think of a bus stop. Though the same people get on a bus going in the same direction, they all have different destinations. This leads me to my next keyword, connected. A walkable city at its best is connected. Connected by all the people who come together in the same spaces, but also connected physically through different forms of transportation. Since the objective here is to minimize the use of cars, some ways we can physically connect our cities are through building infrastructure for bikes, trains, trolleys, buses, and more, and rethinking public transit routes to maximize efficiency. We will definitely get into much more transit talk in the future, but for now, Visualize what your dream transportation situation would look like. Or, if you don't really know, think about what's stopping you from using your city's public transit. Is it because it's dirty? Is it because it's slow? Do you feel safe on it? Would you rather be able to bike to your destination? Does your city even have public transportation? These are the questions planners need to answer in order to incentivize people not to use a car and to use the public transit system instead. Right now, when I find myself stuck on a crowded bus for an hour, I feel pretty incentivized to use a car instead. So my dream is for every city to have a consistent, easy to navigate public transit system. Next is safety. To put it simply, cars are just not safe. Neither are cities rampant with crime. Walkable dynamic cities can come to the rescue again Surprise, surprise, because more pedestrian-oriented streets reduce the chance of a human getting hit by a car, and mixed-use buildings, I told you that would come up again, create 24-7 surveillance. From the people up in their apartments to the people down on the street shopping, working, walking, or doing anything else, there will always be people watching, and less opportunity for somebody walking alone to be in danger, or for somebody to steal or damage property. Think of it this way, thinking back to your daily routine. Often, the different parts of your day are located in different places. Think about how there aren't any houses in or around a mall. Having a whole area dedicated to one thing means it will be vacant at some point in the day, and therefore less secure because it lacks the surveillance that comes from mixed-use buildings. Like, You wouldn't want to be walking around a mall at night when it's all closed and there's no one around. My last keyword for a walkable city is accessible. The way we plan our cities has long been a form of exclusion. 
from the white flight suburban neighborhoods to planners not taking people with disabilities into account to making car-dependent cities that are inaccessible to anybody without a car. By planning cities for cars instead of people, we are perpetuating a divide. In many American cities, families need a car for every family member in order for each person to do the things they need to do every day. Besides the obvious and awful financial strain of car dependency, it also puts a strain on somebody who has to drive around the family members who can't drive yet. Now, this urbanism stuff sounds like a sweet deal to me, but it does invite some skepticism. So, I'm going to address a couple questions I feel may be on your minds. First up, what if I don't want to be a city girl? Not everyone wants to be a city girl, and that's okay. Not everyone wants to live in a big city, and that's okay. But what I do know everyone wants is human connection and a good quality of life. And so, you shouldn't have to be a huge metropolis to have nice parks and community spaces. You shouldn't have to be a bustling city to have an efficient public transport system. In fact, from the late 1800s to the 1930s, streetcar suburbs were very popular. These are nice, walkable neighborhoods that are connected by streetcars or trolleys. At the intersection of these streetcar routes are commerce and public spaces. The streetcar suburb can support not only family houses, but apartments, as well as different levels of density, so it's adaptable and versatile. Just a side note, I learned about streetcar suburbs by reading an article on the site Strong Towns, which you should check out if you're interested in learning more about urban planning. Now, the problem is that most places in the United States now are either intense but walkable cities or dreary, boring, and unwalkable suburbs. Another question you may be having is, now suburban sprawl is so widespread, what do we do about it? For those of you who don't know, suburban sprawl is what we call the spread of low-density, car-dependent developments into rural areas. So, pretty much all of the suburban United States today. Urban planning is not just about planning cities that aren't there. Especially in the 21st century, it's become more about changing the cities that are there. And this doesn't take quite as much heavy lifting as it seems. Citizens like us without urban planning degrees can still make change. You want a bike lane or a bigger sidewalk? Paint it. That's called tactical urbanism. Something I find inspiring is the Sunnyside Piazza story. In Portland, Oregon, a group of neighbors who lived around a noisy, unsafe intersection started to come together every weekend to turn the intersection into a social space. They painted a design in the middle of the street and set up social structures on the corner of the intersection, like a little lending library, a bench, an informational kiosk for neighbors to come together, etc. Eventually, the city of Portland got on board and helped the intersection officially become what is known as the Sunnyside Piazza. Afterward, a survey found that 85% of the neighbors agreed that crime and traffic had decreased and neighborhood communication had improved. And now, similar neighborhood squares can be created in Portland with the signed consent of 80% of surrounding neighbors. This type of urban planning is called placemaking. I think it's such an inspiring story and there are so many more if you look for them. Advocating for your city actually works if you do it. Thank you so much for tuning in to the very first episode of Urban Today. I hope you learned something you didn't know before and will tune in to the next episode. See you later.